You may have played poker, but playing poker in Texas is a different animal. This is the Texas Poker Podcast with Tyler and Clint. Hello, this is the Tex Poker Podcast. I'm Tyler. This is Clint. What's up, y'all? And we are back. Man, it's been a lot of action-packed sessions, at least at least for me lately. So it's we obviously we got some pretty good content coming up on this podcast where me and Tyler are at the same table and kind of run into kind of big big hands into each other quite a bit. Oh yeah, I mean definitely, it's kind of weird whenever we're at the same table because you're definitely not gunning for each other, but sometimes you know with just train wrecks happen, I guess or. Oh yeah, it's a. Uh... Well, we ended up going to Katie 101, definitely one of our favorite spots. Uh, and I was kind of shocked. They showed me to a table. They they put me to two tables I could choose from, and I thought I picked the right one, and then it kind of got shorthanded for a second. And then, like, you showed up at my table, like, just a couple minutes after. I, di- I didn't even realize you were going to be at my table, and then all of a sudden you're there. I was there before you. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because no, were you? Huh? Oh. Yeah, I was there before you because they gave you the choice, and I saw you looking around, and I was like, I mean, I would think I was like, I don't know where Clint's gonna go. My table, because my table, I thought my table looked good. Cause I had the same choice that you did. Yeah, and I was wondering if you were gonna make the same choice as me because the game we were in was pretty deep when you sat down. If you didn't notice that, well, that's what I was looking at. It was pretty deep stacked with it looked like quite a few players who weren't super. Like you know, reg heavy. So I was like, "Ooh, this could be good." And then, and then, sure enough, I was like, uh, "Like twenty minutes in, I was like, I might have chosen the wrong table." No, so I definitely know I was there before you, or else you would have taken my seat because I was looking around. There was a guy with like almost two k, and the seat to his left was open. I was like, "Ooh, let me jump right in there." That's a, you know what? I think you're better at paying attention to those situations than I am. It's a uh, because that was a, that's always a good heads up move to get to that guy's left, who's the big stack. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean that's pretty much for our podcast is like uh going over the session. So which hand were we gonna start with? There were several to choose from. Let's start with the one that I'm mixing it up in with the whenever you had Queen Nine. Okay, let me uh. Because so I actually I guess, got, I have some actually pretty good notes on this hand. This is a very interesting spot, and like we played it, like I played it in a way that was a little bit unconventional. Tyler, uh, Tyler definitely said he would have played it very differently. Well, I guess you played it pretty aggressively. That was kind of yeah, right. Well, I mean, we both agreed that um, there's two ways to play it: aggressively and kind of more passive. And I would have taken the passive route, but. Well, we'll get we'll let the we'll let's clue the callers in on what we're I mean not the callers they're not no one's calling in <laughs> I mean but uh, the uh, listeners in on what what happened so we so there's a raise to twenty where you you were on the, the button I'm on the button here with pocket sixes let me see so and this is not a three bet hand so another person raises uh, I have queen nine suited queen nine of diamonds uh, I just call you're in pretty late position here right yeah because I'm just two seats over to your right. So I I call and obviously Tyler you go ahead and make I mean obviously this is an easy call for you with pocket sixes on the button right set mining mission I'm on 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's no reason to raise. You're never folding, especially getting already what's good odds. Uh, and we're all pretty damn deep, too. So, the flop is gin for me. So, I think. Uh, I have queen, nine of diamonds. It is five, six, eight, two diamonds. So, I flop a flush draw, two overs, and a gutter ball to a straight draw. Uh, player bets 35. This, to me, was just a slam dunk raise. I mean, like, there's certain draws I'll just call and take my equity. Uh, on this, I'm hoping to go ahead and put as much pressure as I can with queen high. Sometimes I'll take it down. And then other times, when, when he does call, I'm almost... Very rarely am I going to be like 50-50 at least. So, he bets 35. I end up raising to 105. And I pretty much figure that the hand is done until it gets back to him. So, what is your thoughts when it gets back... When he when you see this action occur, when it gets back to you? <laughs> We're about to get the money all the way in. Is what, that's what I was thinking. But... Um, I wanted to raise, but I also wanted to keep that guy involved. And I also, I mean, it's pretty draw heavy. Um, and I think, remember back a few episodes ago, we were talking about how our four betting sizing has been kind of messed up. I've been just, at least I was, just betting way too big on my four bet sizes. I mean, this is going to be kind of small, but it kind of works out. Right. Um, so how much did you make it? You made it 105? I made it 105. So then I made it. 115 215 215 you made it exactly 215 yeah it was yeah because i was joking that it was a min raise and you're like it's not a min raise yeah <laughs> i had to go i was like i'm no chump i'm not min raising anything <laughs> so i make it 215 and the other guy calls and now you're back not in a great spot but never folding with the odds given so once it gets back to me you make it 215 and the other and the other guy, now at this point, I think there's no way the other guy, I mean, I figure he's betting a lot of top pairs or stuff like that. Uh, he seemed to be someone who at least studies poker a little bit. So I kind of figure that he might be folding. He ends up making a cold calling you. I don't know if this is the right move. I, I'm getting incredible odds, though. Once you make this raise... I know my flush good. My flush is good against you, because I mean, I I think the only ways you're doing this is with like the nutted straight or uh, a set. I don't think you're. I don't think you'd play a draw. I mean, I definitely don't think you'd four bet a draw here. <laughs> so I know my flush. I know the flush draw at the very minimum is good for you, and probably the straight draw, since I am blocking the straight. The seven nine would be the obvious straight. Uh. The problem being is once he, the other guy calls, I think he does have nutted flushes a lot. But, as you said, I mean, with your raise, was kind of a perfect sizing just to kind of draw me in. Because once it gets back to me, it's like 100 to win 600, and I'm sitting with two overs, a very high flush draw, and a straight draw. So I end up making the call. So, uh... So then three to it, uh, the turn is an offsuit king. Uh, 
I mean, I'll, I'm never doing anything but checking unless this, like, turn just hits me square, just to know, or the other, the first player checks. I check behind. It checks to you. I just go all in here. How much did you go all in for? Do you remember? Like 350. See, your bet sizing, I thought, on the flop was so good. Because, I mean, I think normally the normal play is to make it a little bit bigger, but, I mean, you just... I mean, now this is just a half pot size bet. I mean, you basically have just roped everybody in. Uh, the player behind you calls. At this point, I'm done with the hand. I mean, I've got one draw that might not even be good. Yeah, I would have loved to see you call here. Give me some money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I fold, and you uh, obviously run it once. You're good with with uh, your set. I think he, I think he did say he was on a bigger diamond draw. Yeah, he said he was on a bigger diamond draw and a straight draw. Okay, like so a seven of diamonds, maybe would that make sense? I mean, it make a ton of sense. On, yeah, I mean, if anything, that wouldn't make sense why he did, just didn't get it all in on the flop, actually. Uh, but so that was a pretty interesting spot. Uh, I like your four. I like your four bet sizing on the flop, and I actually don't mind my three bet on the flop with queen nine suited. I think I just ran into like two nutted hands. Um, I think whenever I was telling you how I, you know, would play it differently and I was kind of confused with your play or whatever, going back on it, I definitely um, agree with it actually. Yeah. I like, Cause I, I guess I just forgot the action just in my head. I don't know. It's kind of hard to be like, uh, sometimes results oriented. I'm like, well, you're raising. I have a set of sixes. That's not good. You know, just in the moment maybe, but um, in hindsight, whenever we went back over this right now, I do like that raise there. I think that's a good raise. Yeah, I, I still think so. I still think it's I – think, I think if I'm just calling there that – I mean, at that point, I'm only raising super value hands at that I mean, point. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, – but that was that was a very interesting spot. We get into another really big spot. So, well, I should, let me clarify. Like, we kind of jumped in that hand. This session started out really shitty for me. I flopped. I was just pre-flop, had great hands the entire session. The beginning of the session, I end up just flopping gigantic draws. Uh, big flush draws with a straight draw to go with it. Or, like, big flush draws with a pair that's not good with the action but you know gives you added equity for trips or two pair and i just miss i miss on like four just gigantic heavy draws that i uh hit and i am just getting killed i finally get a pretty good spot where i think it was the ace king was the first hand that like kind of put me on the path to where i was did well uh i rebuy i'm definitely Fairly, I think I've won a couple hands. I'm fairly deep. It comes to me, and I like I say, I've had really good hands the entire time, but I think the table thinks I'm just kind of aggro. I mean, I don't know what was going on with you. It seemed like you were in every hand and then just, I mean, just not going to showdown, just folding. I mean, it was kind of weird, you know, because like, like you said, you were mixing it up, raising and all this stuff, and then every time it would get to the river, you're like, meh, and just fold. Yeah. I Which mean, is, was... like, makes perfect sense for what you have, but... You know, kind of put makes a weird table image, I guess. I think so. I think it was looking looking very weird. Which is kind of weird because it's like we always talk about how no players, um, like 
one, two, one, three players. There's not much going into this table image. But something like this definitely kind of, I mean, kind of everyone notices. Yeah. <laughs> like whenever you're raising, I mean, because, you know, you're raising correct sizes. So you're also raising big whenever that's like bet, call, 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 you know. Right. And then folding, which is, I mean, you're definitely getting some attention from everyone at the table kind of noticing, you know, it seems like you're just mixing it up and never getting a showdown. So. Yeah, there, I mean, in all those hands, there were not even really any good bluff spots. So it was just one of those where, it, it like, my image does look, it looks very spewy, I think, at this point. I was going to say, it doesn't look, it looks very weird. I mean, yeah, I guess spewy, aggressive, and spewy. So I end up, but I mean, I've had actually pretty nutted hands with, like, both uh, preflop and afterflop. Uh, so I end up raising ace-king. The, uh, I believe I went to 20, and another one, another player to my left calls. The next player to go is Tyler. He folds, and then another player kind of thinks about it for a while. I would say a pretty decent thinking player, and he three-bets me. Was this the older Asian guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was running into it all night. <laughs> but, yeah, he, he definitely was playing good cards, though. Yeah, so... But I think on this one, I well, one is if someone's good, I I put I give less credence to their three bets because they actually have it in them to three bet, like king queen, king jack suited, ace oh, jack suited, yeah, identify squeeze spots, yeah, yeah. Whereas you know a lesser players probably three betting, ace king sometimes like is the minimum, and then maybe not even ace queen or ace jack suited. So he he three bets, it comes back around to me. I, Ace King is one of those that's going to normally be a four bet, and very much so when the player is a really good player and there's it's kind of a squeeze spot. So I take one chip, and he's raise was like to one fifteen, I believe. I have like three fifty behind. I jam it all in. So, and I just, but here's the thing is I just do one chip and I say all in and on there. The other player to my left has headphones on and he calls, but he thinks it's just the 110, 115. They're like, no, you have to, you have to play. And he kind of acts a little annoyed with it, but. Definitely seemed like he knew the rules though. Definitely seemed like it was one of those ones that like you're annoyed, but you have no one to blame but yourself. Well, and here's the other thing. He had, like, 170. So, True. I mean, really, like, if he's going to call for 100, I mean, I don't know why he wouldn't be jamming if he's going to call there anyways. Uh, but, like, so they he ends up going in for 170. Uh, me and the other guy end up getting it all in. I have ace-king. Neither of them ever show. Um, the other guy had pocket sixes. Oh, the other guy did? Okay. The, the short sack to my right, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, he had mentioned how my sixes worked out and his didn't. I know the guy to your left, the the good one, he uh, mentioned that he did not have a pocket pair. So I'm guessing like ace-queen, ace-jack, probably ace suited, queen, something yeah. like that. Uh, the I flop nothing, turn a king, river, river a blank, and I'm good to scoop the entire thing. Uh, the hand kind of plays itself. There's nothing... I mean, it's kind of interesting on that guy who didn't realize what I did, but... Four bet jamming there, I think Ace King is pretty much just standard, right? 
I would agree. Standard, especially for the – I mean, it was great that the stacks as were what they were, just nice and easy for you. So, Yeah, that's kind of nice because Ace-King gets kind of weird when you get to, like, a certain – like, if you're playing 1-3 and it's, like, 800, it ends up becoming kind of a weird spot because once you 4-bet, it's not – I mean, you have too much to jam, but once you 4-bet to, like, 250 or something, then – that person calls you're kind of you're always in kind of a weird spot or god forbid he jams and then you're in a really weird spot because now his you bet he bet either has pocket queens or you're kind of screwed just call he'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> so uh that was a pretty uh pretty interesting hand then this is probably one of the biggest hands i've ever played uh this is Okay, this is a pocket jacks hand. Uh, Trust me, I know. You uh, <laughs> you used to start out. Uh, go, go ahead and. Uh, well, my my cameo in this hand is brief, but I'm under the gun. I have ace queen suited. I make it twenty. Seems like everybody in the table calls. I mean, how many callers? Four, we said. It was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot of callers. Comes uh, back to Clint. I'm already thinking he's gonna. I mean, he already looks like he's up to no good. Yeah, it's uh so it comes to me. I end up with pocket jacks. This is a three bet hand, no matter what for me. But it's very much a three bet hand when now that you know Tyler's raised and now there's like four callers. I mean now it's a three bet plus just an amazing squeeze spot. So I end up making it. I think like one fifteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I end up folding here um because i was like well this is gonna be very tough to play out of position one the other disaster is if someone else raises after i call if i look like dead money just flatting you know um so i i folded i mean i don't know it i think it was a good fold i mean kind of like standard ish right just being under the gun out of position i mean and then was still so much action behind me and then even after the flop it's going to be pretty dicey to play First, when you said you folded something as good as ace-queen suited, I was like, man, that is a tight, tight fold. But once I started going over my possible hands I could have here that I would do this with, I mean, it just I don't think it's a standard fold at all, but I do think it is a good fold. Because, uh, I mean, you look at my range. If it's aces through jacks and then ace-king, which there would be 16 combos of ace-king, uh, and then probably ace queen suited, which is unlikely because I mean you have it as well. And then I think maybe some ace jack king queen suited sometimes. I mean, really, your range is doing ace queen's not doing great against that range. I mean, that's why we have multiple podcasts about not having <laughs> ace queen and three bet pots. Yeah, so I I did I thought it was kind of a tight fold, and I did not think it was standard, but I do think it was a good fold because looking at not just that I had pocket jacks, but the amount of, amount of hands that I'm doing this with, you're just yeah you're going to be a pretty big dog, and you're like you say and out of position, making it even harder to play. Right. Well, I mean, I think you could be squeezing kind of wide here, right? I mean, no, seeing that position, I mean, you could be squeezing with better than jacks, which I was thinking about. Um, but being out of position and also action behind me really influenced me. I think you meant squeezing was worse than Jack's. Yeah, if I said, yeah, sorry. <sighs> yeah, I, I'll probably do the same thing with like tens, nines. Uh, maybe King Jack suited sometimes. No, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, those hands probably are sometimes for me. 
Yeah, I mean, you not as much as me. I think I will sometimes see the squeeze spot and, I mean, as crummy as this sounds, almost ignore the cards and just um, take advantage of the spot, the situation, when so many people call the 20, which probably not good. Definitely not good. Anytime you ignore your cards, can't be that great. But... Um, <laughs> But sometimes I'm a sucker for like a squeeze spot. Like I'll just see it. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. Um, so, and then I was also worried because it's kind of an action table. I mean, that guy to your right was, I mean, definitely wouldn't pat, put it past him to rip it all in on me. So after I flat that hundred, so. So, and Tyler has a good point because I get a call from the pretty good, the pretty good older Asian guy to your left. Uh, and then goes around to that other guy who's kind of, he seemed like a young, young kind of Euro, kind of like the studies or something. I don't know. I mean, but he ends up ripping it all in for like 200. <laughs> I didn't even remember that, but okay. <laughs> yeah. I he, mean, once I folded, I was just disgusted and wanted to walk around, but I stuck around. So once he does that, I mean, obviously I'm calling here. Pocket Jacks is too strong. He is incredibly tilted. I've just been, I mean, I'm just beating this guy up kind of all night. I mean, it's. Well, you started off losing to him though, which it was kind of weird because it looked like, like you said, it looked like he was getting the better of you just because you were missing every draw. But yeah. Then, but then you stopped missing every draw, so. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, he was getting the better of me and then like. I think he was used to being the more aggressive one at the table, and he very well could be more aggressive than me. It's just I was not card dead and getting a ton of, like, very good three-betting hands the entire night. So I think he's tilted as hell to me. Because uh, I did... Uh, I don't remember which hand, I, but I won a very big pot off him before this. Uh, so he goes in for, like, 200. I call with Jax, uh, the... The Asian guy, the older Asian guy to your left, does uh, the same thing. We uh, go so about six hundred to the flop. I the flop is Jack ten seven. So with a flush draw, with a flush draw. I I mean obviously I've got a set of jacks here. I've got top set outside of eight nine. Uh, and we are, I did not say how deep, we are super good. We are super deep. Me and the guy uh, across from me are pretty deep still. I want to say maybe I had like seven or 800 in front of me. Yeah, I was going to say a little bit more. Yeah, maybe 900. Uh, and I think he's got about the same. So uh, I end up betting 200. A one-third pot on something that I hit this hard I think is fine. Uh, I don't. I mean, do you think that best sizing is pretty good? Yeah, I think it's perfect. So he, I mean, he snap calls. Yeah, he calls pretty fast. Uh, the pot is getting a little big for what I'm used to at this point. We now have $1,000 going into the pot. The turn, I remember it was a blank. I thought it was like the deuce. I mean, it was like yeah. the blank is like deuce of diamonds or something. Yeah, it was it, a super brick. It was a blank at this point i jam all in for like it was like i thought it was like 800 or like 700 here it was a big jam it was a big jam well so, you know big not compared to the pop but just in actual money yeah <laughs> you know it's uh 
So, I mean, yeah, like Tyler says, the jam is probably only three-fourths pot, <laughs> yeah. but it's still a lot of goddamn money. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's uh, so I jam for, I think, like seven fifty or so. Yeah, I would, I would about say right. about seven fifty eight hundred because, I mean, even though it's only three-fourths pot, I mean, you still don't see the pots as big at a 1-3 game normally, so it's noteworthy for sure. Yeah, so uh, he tanks for a long time and eventually calls. Uh the the river is a blank. No, a pair seven pairs of seven. You end up with a boat. That's right. Sure did. Yeah, yeah. it does pair seven. And I end up with a boat. Uh, the one guy who just shipped it all in. He had like eight six suit a six suited and flopped a flush draw. Uh, the older Asian guy. I don't know what he had. Mm-hmm. I mean, we speculated for a little while. I predicted set of tens, but we don't really know. Yeah, I mean. An overpair just seems unlikely since he would have three bet you himself from early position, like queens. Because I thought about queens, kings, or something like that. A set of tens seems very plausible. I mean, I, it seems like a set of tens might have just raised that flop bet. But I tell you what, going through all the possible hands that he could have here, I mean, really nothing. I mean, set of tens seems to make the most sense. That or like uh or even like a smaller set like me if it was eight nine, well no that would have been quads yeah, yeah I don't know what he could have had <laughs> yeah but he probably sure turns that over but, yeah he uh, he probably does turn that over uh so big gigantic hand uh I a kind of hand that I guess doesn't kind of play itself because I uh, some people won't three bet jacks because it is kind of scary in that pre flop spot um you were given such a great. Um, situation though, I feel like three betting jacks is one thing, but once you get that, uh, just so incentivized in that spot, I mean, you got the squeeze spot, you got the cards, I mean, everything's lining up for a slam dunk three bet. So, I'll tell you one thing I have gotten a lot better at is in these big pots, feeling a little more comfortable. Uh, I feel like I studied and got some of my bet sizing down because I. In big pots, I was playing them the same way as small pots, which is a horrible mistake. It was a huge leak of mine. So, like, if I thought it was a good half pot to 75% uh, bet on, like, a $30 pot, if it was, uh, then I would do the same thing on these gigantic pots, which you just don't play them that way. So, getting better at these small SPR situations and getting better at my at the bet sizing really has helped my game kind of increase just quite a bit. Because that was a huge leak in my game. Didn't even realize how big of a leak it was. No, absolutely. But, I mean, for the conversation topic, I guess let's talk about everyone calling out your hands lately. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I mean, we got some time left, but I think this is what we're going to close the podcast on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's... Let's start the story at the beginning. Let's talk about that one where you backdoor to flush in a situation. Um, let's. I mean, this was a few weeks ago. Okay, so, yeah, we were at Cypress Poker. Well, okay, and to be fair, we don't know what exactly happened, but there were two times somebody called out my hand. Like you said, that backdoor well, flush. The second time, I know 100%, but the backdoor flush, we don't know. Okay, so what was the... Backdoor flush. I he it flopped was, trips, or he he somehow had trips with a four. Remember, the flop is two four four. Wait, no, I'm sorry, four four six, and I have five six suited. 
uh, it was a raised pot. He checks, I bet. He calls. The turn is a king of hearts. I have five, six of hearts. It's a, the king of hearts makes me the backdoor flush draw. He leads out and bets pretty big into me. I mean, having a six here and the and the flush draw, I'm never going anywhere. He should never have a four. So, and I mean, it's just, I'm not going to put him on hitting a random king just yet. I make the call. I complete the backdoor flush on the river. He checks, I bet, a not a huge bet sizing for this pot either. I think I bet like 100 into 170. So he's like, I put you on a backdoor flush. A pair and a, and a pair and a flush draw. And folds showing trip fours to me. So very, very weird to I mean, this is a super weird fold, because I would have so many I could have a ton of hands here show up with. I could have a pair with the ace of hearts. I could uh have just a ton of different things that would actually make for a good uh good uh, draws that just busted. I mean, I watched that hand play out and uh I mean he turned over his hand and you, even though I tell you you shouldn't do this, you turned over your hand to show him that he called it right. And mm-hmm. immediately my alarm bells were going off on this hand that I'm not buying any of this. Um I mean just the general play at the table, I'm like, I mean Something is up. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's kind of my thought on that one. But don't know for sure, but I'm at least suspicious. Me, personally, on my side of the table. Okay. Uh, he does the same thing. Well, he doesn't show this hand, so he might have folded a lesser hand. He does call out aces when I have aces. Uh, I don't know if it was later or earlier on that hand or not. But... Tyler came up with a theory that I did not realize. No, no, no. And then the Jack's hand happened. This is where I came up with the theory. Oh, okay. I thought you mentioned even... No, you definitely... I mean, I know... No, no, I mentioned it before as a suspicion. Okay. I was confirmed in the Jack's hand. Okay, and that gigantic Jack's hand where it's a... I end up with a set of Jack's. The one we just covered. Yeah, the (laughs) one we just covered. Uh, Before... He's the the uh, dealer does the river. The guy tries to make a bet for somebody for five hundred dollars that I have pocket jacks. Now this is the guy to my right, but there's a dealer in between him and me. Right, you're in the nine seat. He's in the one seat. Right. So it's a uh, so this is kind of suspicious. I mean, granted, the way it's played, jacks makes a lot of sense, but to try to bet five hundred dollars on one hand. Very suspicious. So, in the hand, so when Clint was playing, I was, I suspected that somehow Clint is showing his hand. I mean, I'm not putting any one, two, one, three players on Daniel Negreanu reading the, I mean, calling out the hands type of situation. I'm just, I'm just not, right? I'm immediately suspicious. I'm watching Clint now in this hand. And I definitely see him lift up his cards, but his other hand stays in his pocket, and everybody on that whole side of the table can see his cards. And then I was like, well, now we got to talk about this. I was like, this is, I mean, you want to talk about, you're on a gigantic upswing and showing people your cards and still winning. 
pretty ridiculous. But, I mean, definitely something that, I mean, I'm pretty sure on page one of the poker books is not to show everyone your cards. Seems That seems very fair. Yeah, I immediately thought of, uh, what was it, that Skills Rock and the uh, that one guy when he was, yeah. you know, just saying, I was like, well... And, you know, it's one of those things I feel like I'm covering or whatever, but Tyler says that he was watching me, and you just, you know, in these long, like, four or five-hour sessions, you just, you know, like, I guess just got lazy or whatever. But we, I guess we de- I definitely don't know for sure about the Cypress poker or anything, but here's the thing. If people are making crazy reads that are just outlandish and Ooh. laying down stuff, we know that the, the – more than likely, something's up. Well, here's the thing: is it's not that it's that they're making these like crazy plays. It's that they're making one crazy play randomly. It's not like they're playing that way, and then this is just kind of this is something that's out of the norm of how they're playing, right? Yeah. So that's when I was like, something has to be up because I've I've sat next to you before, and I know I you know you don't cover your cards that well. I mean, I've brought it up multiple times, but um, but when you have your phone, it's super obvious. Yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, when I was watching that big pot, I was like, "Oh, this is getting dicey." His hands in his pocket. <laughs> I, I was like, "This cannot be good." It's a uh, yeah. I guess it was a uh, what you call it. Like I say, you just like in the in the midst of these long sessions, get distracted, and it doesn't. I, for me, it doesn't take much or whatever, you know. So it's one of those that just it, a leak that definitely needs definitely has to improve rapidly very quickly <laughs> but okay so let's let's talk about some solutions or the solution that i've done in the past because um when i'm like in like you know the center of the table like whether it be like the sixth seat or something i've had this issue where i've been concerned not i have no reason to be concerned but i'm like well this doesn't seem great yeah right just because sometimes it can be pretty cramped what i do is i make a wall with my red chips on my right side mm-hmm to help cover up the cards, and that seems to resolve that issue right away. That was something I was doing. Cause, okay, this actually I heard after that, if anybody remembers, Skills Rock was this guy just throwing these crazy bluffs or whatever, and he could see the pay- the person's hand. Uh, I forget who the guy was that he was he could see, but Bart Hansen covered it, covered it in a podcast, and he was saying that that's how Garrett, when Garrett was playing, would do it, is kind of build that wall. And I did that for a while because I was like, that's a really good idea. And then just kind of stopped. So that's something I'm probably going to go back to because you mentioned that, uh, how you did it as well. And I'm like, well, this seems like, I mean, like I say, I got to do something a little bit better. Well, I think just consciously thinking about it will help. I mean, me at least being able to watch you at the table and be like, this is a disaster. I mean, I can literally watch people watch, see your cards. I'm oh, like, God. I'm like, this. I mean, I'm like, this is a disaster. So at least you have me to be like, hey, this is something you should probably work on. That's true. And I mean, at least, I mean, I have you saying it. And it's crazy that I had these back-to-back situations where, you know, it became very, very obvious of what's going on. Makes a ton of sense. Like the situations make sense that this is what's going on. Because I was like, I'm not, I find something weird, but I you know, so I think covering your cards or making sure that you're keeping them covered. And I mean, whenever you're playing multiple hour long sessions, I mean, it's very easy to get complacent. Yeah, man. I mean, I think that's just what happened to me. So it's a, uh, so we definitely, that's definitely something I'm going to improve. But like I say, at least I had you there to kind of watch and see what was happening. Cause I, I mean, 
I was like, I mean, shit, these people are just really good. I mean, and like I tell you, one, two, one, three. I mean, they're not calling your cards out by the suit. Um, they're seeding your cards somehow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, once once we uh, came up with that, I realized like that was we're gonna go with. I'm I'm not gonna accuse anybody of cheating or anything or anything I but mean, that. Even if I'm I mean, just gonna say more. I'm just gonna say that that's more than likely if somebody if somebody's doing that, that's what's happening. I mean, is it even cheating if you're showing them your cards? Kind of on you, right? Oh, I mean, I definitely. Mean, it's I'm, definitely partly on my responsibility. I mean. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely not going to have this start conversation right at the end of the podcast. But I definitely think it's more on you than it is cheating. Well, and like I say, well, I mean, yeah, but if anybody were to hear this, I mean, I'm not putting anybody's name on the ground. I mean, yeah, it's definitely on me. Honestly. Yeah, and it's, the good news is super easy fix. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, it's not like a hard leak to fix. <laughs> it's just a matter of paying attention. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, should be easy to fix. We'll see what it turns into. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no shit. Yeah. I mean, but, I know I'm, you're I'm, in... I'm, like eight days later, Clint gets stacked when somebody's soul reads him again. <laughs> well, no, I mean, you're already on the upswing, so I just imagine this will just be jet fuel to that. So that's true. Yeah, been a it's been a good two weeks for me, without a doubt. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna complain. Well, I guess on that note, this concludes Tex Walker Podcast. Talk to you next week. That was the Texas Poker Podcast. Go ahead and rack up. Add time and we'll see you next week.